Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. Hello and welcome to a Friday edition of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. I am your host today, Matthew Fox, and I am here uh, with Dennis. Matt uh, Bruning will be joining us shortly, and we will be looking at our, our rankings on NFC wide receivers. But first, you know, I take one Monday off, and Walmart goes and buys my football team. What gives, Dennis? It, it must have been made in China. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what Walmart does? Now they're gonna now they're gonna sell it for like three times the price. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, Broncos fan feed jokes about like the Great Value Broncos or right. Great Value Stadium uh, member select stadium. It'll be it'll be a little bit interesting. Yeah, well, you know, if if you're uber rich and you got the money, football teams and sports teams in general are a great investment. Perfect for money laundering, you know, it's the job done. How are you guys doing on this uh, Friday afternoon? Uh, my wife got COVID yesterday. She's sick. Body aches, fever, so trying to manage that situation. But, yeah, you know, that and I'm having to hammer out about 6,000 words for uh, Bob Harris's magazine, so... Got two of the four articles done, so it's going to be a hot sprint to the close in the next 24 hours. Matt, you just got back from the library. Can't complain. <laughs> Long day. Looking forward to relaxing, maybe watching some Stranger Things. Wait, so where are you up to on the count? Have you made it to season four? No, I have not. I have not really gotten a chance to watch it uh, this week. Unfortunately, due to my incessive binging of it, uh, my wife decided she did not want to watch it anymore. So I thought I was good to go and just power through. And then my kids got hooked on it. And so now I can't watch it unless my kids are there watching it. So well, you know what Les Need would say? I don't know what less F them kids. Oh, oh man. <laughs> that is certainly, it's a good segue. Uh, it's fitting that we're going to start talking about uh, wide receiver groups today because uh, most of the interesting news uh, that's happened in between uh, Monday and today was about wide receivers. Uh, a couple of wide receivers got paid. First, salary cap is not real, um, at least as it pertains to 
uh, Matt's doppelganger and the Rams. Uh, they managed to find uh, a Brinks truck for wide receiver Cooper Cup to match the Brinks truck they backed up for Aaron Donald, keeping the band back together. While the Raiders made a uh, decent money deal to keep Hunter Renfro locked up there alongside Devontae Adams opposite Derek Carr. So, Matt, I'll start with you first. What do you think of these wide receiver moves? I mean, I, I think it's great for both of them. I mean, I don't want to say the cap's a myth, but clearly the Rams have figured out the uh, Konami code or cheat code or whatever it is to allow them to figure out ways to manipulate all this stuff. I mean, Cooper Cup definitely deserves to get to get paid. Incredible season last year. It really been incredible since coming into the NFL and being with the Rams. I think that's just a case in point of uh, – Sometimes these guys that none of us think are going to work out just get paired with the perfect coach, perfect system to get the best out of them, and that's clearly worked out. Uh, the Renfro one's very interesting to me. I think he's actually getting like 60% of what uh, Renfro got or something like that based on like the length of the deal someone was saying the other day. like He actually got a pretty decent deal. It's only two years, right? So he'll be 28 when that deal's up. What so, do you mean? He's got to be at least 43 now. I mean, he, he looks it. When it's he looks it, but like he'll still be fairly young when that deal comes up. So he gives him chance, uh, gives himself a shot at another deal. And, you know, there's a lot of people who obviously think this Raiders offense is going to be very good. And Renfro has a shot to be the number two here behind Devontae Adams. So a couple productive seasons, he could get himself a nice little contract. So I think it's great for both of them. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we, see these guys consistently be underpaid at times. So I'm, I'm thrilled when, when these guys do get the bag. So I think it's a great deal for both and for the teams. Yeah. I think the Rams at, at some point it's going to come due and they're going to be in a uh, Atlanta Falcons situation where they're going to have to just dump everybody, scrape the bottom of the barrel to field a roster. And I hope that McVeigh stays through that. I hope he doesn't, uh, you know, get the win, win three. I hope he doesn't win three or four Super Bowls. And as soon as the bill comes due, he's all like, oh, I'm so burned out. I got to go. You know, I'm going to head head to the studio and, and talk. But, you know, they manipulate. They're currently manipulating the salary cap better than any other NFL team when it comes to paying your stars and keeping them around. They employ a stars and scrubs mentality. There are certain positions that they're just going to keep drafting rookies. And as soon as their rookie contract is up, they're going to fill the spot with another rookie. Um, so they're going to have people playing three or four years and then moving out. As far as Renfro goes, you know, he's the number three behind uh, Waller and, and uh, obviously Devontae Adams. And I think he'll end up, uh, he'll have some really good games where he's going to probably out-target Waller. Uh, I don't know that he's going to spend much time out-targeting Devontae Adams because I think uh, we see the writing on the wall there. But Renfro is really good at what he does and the, the type of wide receiver skills that he brings to the table. So he's one of those guys that's always open, you know, under – he's like peak Jarvis Landry right now. And – you know, it's great work if you can get it. You know, you don't have to run a lot of wind sprints because you're not running far. You don't have to worry about your speed. You just need to get you about, you know, half a yard to a yard of separation and sit down there and catch an eight-yard pass. Yeah, it's interesting to me that you talk about um, Waller. I actually wonder 
if we should if we should start to watch Waller's long term because Renfro developed great chemistry with Carr at the end of last year, and obviously Devonte Adams was his in addition to being one of the best receivers in football, if not the best receiver in football, was a college teammate. It seems like they kind of moved that way. I'm I am actually wondering what Waller's target share and production is going to be. We saw it ebb down a little bit to end the season. I like the combination of receivers they're going there. Josh McDaniels obviously learning one thing from his time at the Patriots. The wide receiver position is actually important. Um, because they don't have any and haven't had any for a while, and that's been a source of struggle for them. For the Rams, I think it makes total sense. I love Cooper Cup. He fits in great. He has incredible chemistry with Matthew Stafford. I still go back to thinking about that meme where they put Cooper Cup opposite um, Stafford's wife, and a lot of it came into came into view. But the Rams are probably in that two- to three-year trying-to-win window. I Appreciate what you're saying, Dennis, about you hope Vic Bay stays. I think they know he's not, um, that he's he's going to give them two or three more years, and they're pushing all their chips. So that's probably why they don't have a first-round pick until 2025 when they might actually need one. Well, I, I, you know, with Waller, I feel like he's moving to the – he's like the top of that huge second-tier tight ends now. So I've, I feel like he's probably tight end six for me. Uh, once I get my rankings fleshed out. So I kind of agree that, that there's definitely chemistry there with, with Renfro uh, and obviously Devontae Adams. But I, I think Waller will step back. He's not – he's him and uh, Renfro will probably be very similar in their target numbers. Should be interesting to watch. Well, those, those are some uh, wide receiver moves that uh, happened for – uh, the AFC and one that we will probably get to later in the NFC, unless one of you guys pulls a surprise with the Rams on this list, but we are going to start our rankings uh, 16 to one for NFC wide receivers. And we are going to start at the bottom and work our way up. And that means starting with our number 16 team. Again, if you haven't joined us when we're doing these formulas, we rate each of these teams one to 16, one being the best 16 being the furthest away from the best. And we average the scores together to get, the uh, place that they land on the list. Well, the average for our number 16 team was 16, which means we were all in agreement. And that team is the Chicago Bears. I think we all like Justin Fields, uh, but we all have a lot of questions about the cast they've put around him. Matt, how do you feel about the Bears? You're muted. Of course I am. Uh, it's such a great line, too, and I don't even remember what I said. No, uh, I said it's it's such an uninspiring room. I don't – I still believe in Justin Fields. I'm in an auction, a 14-team a dynasty auction right now, actually. A $1,000 budget with a lot of very sharp individuals, and I am the high bidder on Fields right now, 200. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is just I do believe in him long-term. This year is going to be rough. I mean, I know a lot of people are in on Darnell Mooney. I like Mooney a lot. I just don't see him as an alpha. He He's more, in my opinion, of a two. He's a guy that you pair along with someone else, and that someone else, in my opinion, is not Vellis Jones, no matter how much, you know, Adam Rank and all these Chicago Bear fans want to talk up Vellis Jones because he's older and he's more talented. It's not him. Uh, I hope I'm wrong because that means great things for Fe- uh, Justin Fields this year, but I just don't think Vellis Jones is it. 
you know, Equinemius St. Brown had tons of, of hope for him coming out, uh, going to Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers can't make it work, I mean, as much as I love Justin Fields, he is not Aaron Rodgers yet. I will put the keyword yet, but he, uh, he I don't know about that. Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, Daz Newsome, David Moore, uh, you know, Isaiah Coulter. It's just a bad room. Um, we should throw Cole Komet in there, who I do think will have a good season as well. But it's it's really just, in my opinion, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Even if one of those guys steps up, I, I don't think any of them is going to be anything worth even rostering on your fantasy team. I, I can't imagine any of these guys even make it up to wide a wide receiver four in fantasy. Like, it's going to be Mooney. It's going to be Cole Komet. Um, and I just think every other room in the NFC has a decent amount of depth um, including the team right above them, which I feel is crazy to say, but every single one of those teams at least has multiple guys you can count on. I just don't see who that guy is that they can count on. Yeah. You know, somebody, a lot of these guys have, you know, they didn't, Pringle didn't meet expectations in Kansas City. St. Brown didn't meet expectations in Green Bay. Uh, Dante Pettis didn't meet expectations in uh, San Francisco. Uh, and ended up in New York. You know, Vellis Jones may be a, a, a reasonable player, but he's probably not going to you know, end up being more than a wide receiver two or three anyways. And if he did that, it would be at the expense of Darnell Mooney. Uh, I saw something today where somebody basic, basically said, don't be so out on Vellis Jones. He's just a bigger, faster Darnell Mooney. So, you know, they're kind of similar in, in their play styles. You know, there's obviously concerns coming into the league at 39 years old. Uh, that's going to be a tough rookie season for Vellis Jones. Uh, but, you know, he's not out partying, uh, allegedly. I mean, I lived in Chicago when I was uh, a little bit older than that, and I went out and partied. So I'm not sure, you know, you give me a fat stack of cash and, let me uh, loose in Chicago. You know, there's going to be some stuff going on, but you know, there's not a lot of upside uh, to this wide receiver room, and it, I feel like it's going it, to. It's it's trending towards the Justin Fields bus territory when he literally is being given some of the shittiest opportunity going, and it's like, well, you know, you just. He, he hit a home run in batting practice the other day. Yeah, I'm not going to pile on um, because I have much the same feeling as you guys. It's a, it's an uninspiring. We were making jokes about some of the early free agent signings, assuming that the Bears were actually going to draft somebody. But now it's it's gone from being amusing to kind of somewhat sad. It feels to me almost like one of those uh, – where somebody in fantasy decided to get rid of all of their top wide receivers and just keep all the guys that they've been stashing on their taxi squad for years, you know, like an Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Isaiah Cole. All these guys are somebody where somebody like, oh man, if they just get a chance, they're going to make it. Maybe, maybe that happens. I tend to agree with you, Matt. I think Darnell Mooney would be, I'd be pumped if he was a number two. We saw him thrive pretty well there i also worry not only is he the number one there's just no real threats seemingly out there beyond him what's going to happen you know alan robinson didn't have a great season last year but he existed and we know what he can do what's going to happen to darnell Mooney when there is really nobody to pull coverage 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I do just want to specialize. I feel a lot a lot of people are saying because of that, like, Justin Fields is never going to be successful. It's one year, people. Like, there's some decent wide receivers coming out in the draft. We've got decent wide receivers as free agents next year. I imagine Chicago's not planning on running forward with these guys for his entire career. So we'll see what happens, but this year is likely going to be pretty brutal. So the next uh, spot on the countdown, we had two teams tied with a cumulative average of 14. I'm going to take uh, the men in blue first, and that is the New York Giants. Matt, you had them at 14. Dennis, you had them at 15. I was the outlier. I had them at 13. And I'm going to be honest, when you get uh, past like the top five in the NFC, um, I guess it's probably personal preference. So the Giants at 13, um, I never thought I would be much higher on the Giants than everyone else. I guess it's because I still am not ready to quit Kenny Galladay. Um, and I think Sterling Shepard was decent at times, but I will agree that there are probably more questions than answers. I just have hope in Kenny Galladay. But Dennis, uh, you had them at 15. You don't have the same hope, I take it. No, I do. And, you know, I'm a Lions fan. And so I have probably the best Kenny Galladay memories of anybody here on the show. And then he went to New York last year and, and stunk it up. And all of the talk so far this offseason is Brian Dayball saying, look, Daniel needs to have confidence and just get out there and let it fly and let these guys make plays. And that's exactly how Kenny Galladay is successful when a quarterback is willing to throw it to him while he's covered and he, he can go win. Um, you know, Wandale Robinson has a lot to prove. Ster Sterling Shepard just can't seem to stay healthy. He took a huge pay cut to stay on the team. Uh, Kadarius Toney is exciting and explosive, but he also has – he's a little wacky off the field, and, and we'll have to see how that transpires. For me, the wide receivers are kind of the hardest because – you sort of have to take into account the quarterbacks. And, and it's one of those – like, that's really what went into play in the next team we're going to talk about for me and why I had that group a little bit higher was because of the quarterback. Well, Jones is on – you know, he's being thrown his first lifeline if we're talking about uh, uh, who wants to be a millionaire here. And this is it. If Jones doesn't perform this year – He's going to go be a backup somewhere, and he may not get another legitimate opportunity to be a starter uh, in the NFL. But I, I, I like on paper the potential, but they haven't fulfilled it, and they have a questionable quarterback. You know, Galladay has the one year. There's, like I said, Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton popped, but he kind of has disappeared. If any of them, if two or three of them can put it together for the whole season and Jones doesn't look over his shoulder waiting for somebody to come and, and take his job, uh, who they got there? Tyrod Taylor. Oh, you know, Jones is going to call the Good San Tyrod. Diego, the, the Los Angeles Clippers doctor and say, uh, you know, he needs a, needs a shot. Um, I don't hate him. And I, I could see easily making the case for them to be at 12 or 13 based on their talent. But – there's a lot of unprovenness there as well. Yeah, for me, it was honestly all Kenny Galladay. Um, I still believe that he can bounce back this year and have a good season. 
you know, he was targeted fairly heavily in the red zone by Daniel Jones and the Giants. He just couldn't come down with the touchdown. I think some of that was just it, it, the target rating was like, or the quality rating was a 4.64, which was 80th in the NFL. Like, Clearly, Jones was just not able to get him the ball in in decent enough spots. Um, he was dealing with injuries again last year, which is definitely a, a key. But I do think he can bounce back. Outside of him, though, I just don't really have faith in anybody else on this team. I mean, Kadarius Tony, you know, say what you got, or I'm not. You guys are saying there are people talking about how he could bounce back this year. Uh, you know, having this kind of coach. I mean, it doesn't start off great that you don't want to be at the camp. It seems like they want to trade you. Like maybe he comes out and shows them, uh, shows them up. I don't think so. Sterling Shepard always dealing with injuries, coming back from a torn Achilles. That's rough, in my opinion, for a wide receiver his age. I don't know that he's just going to bounce back and have a really good year. I'm kind of out and have been out on Wandell Robinson. Darius Slayton hasn't been anything in three years. Like, if you want to just go to the depth argument, they've got like 15 guys on the roster. They've got depth, but they've got nobody for fantasy. In my opinion, it's just going to be Kenny Galladay, and I think he has still an outside chance that he finishes inside the top 24. I think at best bet you're saying 23 or 24. I don't think he gets much higher than that. I don't see any of these other guys even finishes as wide receiver threes because I expect with Barkley being back and healthy, he's going to see a fair amount of receptions and run the ball a decent amount as well as they try and figure out if Daniel Jones is going to be their future. So that's why I put them there at 15. I just... If this was Kenny Galladay of like three or four years ago, he'd be an alpha back to the Chicago Bears conversation. I just don't think they have an alpha on their team. And so for me, that's just why they rank so low. Well, from Kenny Galladay and the Giants to a team that wishes they had somebody on par with Kenny Galladay. And that's the other team that ended up tied down here. 14 was cumulative average, and that's because Matt and I had them at 15. But, Dennis, you had the Green Bay Packers at 12. It sounds like uh, part of your defense for that is Aaron Rodgers, but let's uh, let's hear the rest. Uh, it is specifically Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's coming off back-to-back MVPs. Yes, he lost Devontae Adams. Uh, but, you know, is Alan Lazard going to replace Devontae Adams? I don't know that anybody is going to replace – the type of production Devontae had, but they're going to have to spread it around more. Um, you've got Lazard, Christian Watson, and Randall Cobb right now slated as the starters. Uh, I think Cobb is going to be relatively quickly overtaken by Amari Rogers, and I think that could really be a, a benefit. Uh, I think he just has a more he, – he basically has the same type of game as Cobb. He just has a lot more juice. Uh, and then they have, uh, the you know – the ghost of Sammy Watkins there. So they don't have, uh, you know, they don't have an established alpha, like Matt said, but if I have to go with a team that doesn't have an established alpha, I'd much rather that they have the two time reigning MVP quarterback who still has a lot left in the tank, who knew that Devonte Adams was leaving because they had talked about it. I feel like, you know, the more we've found out about that situation, I think if Adams had been like, look, I'm perfectly fine to stay here. Let's get a deal done. I don't think Rodgers would have taken that much money. I think Rodgers would have been more Tom Brady-ish uh, with the money, knowing that he's already, you know, all states paying him a shit ton of money. 
So it, it, he, he could have been a little easier and said, well, let's spread a little bit of this around. But when Devontae Adams basically said, I'm gone, he's like, well, shit, I'm going to get mine. I, I think a lot has been made about the, uh, the Packers' re, quote-unquote refusal to draft wide receivers early. But I don't think Rodgers has really put a lot of pressure on them to draft wide receivers early because virtually all of his uh, go-to stud wide receivers in his career were not first-round draft picks. So he isn't worried. He's he's more about developing chemistry. Let me let's develop chemistry. Let's figure out what you do well, what I do well, and then let's do it well together. And he just kind of goes at that. It wouldn't surprise me if Equinemius St. Brown put up 1,500 yards this year. It also wouldn't surprise me if no Packers wide receiver breaks 1,000 yards. ESB is not with the Packers anymore. Oh, He's no, with the I meant Alan Lazard. Okay. Lazard. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Alan Lazard. It's going to surprise all of us if ESB puts up 1,500 <laughs> yards. Just got to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me if Alan Lazard put up 1,500 yards or no Packer breaks 1,000 yards receiving. Um it, there's a lot out there, but I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the is the tide that lifts all those boats. Yeah, I, I didn't factor the QB much into this just because you don't. Rodgers has been one of the more consistent guys um, when it comes to just playing injury, and you never know what's going to happen. Right? It, you know, for me, when I was looking at this stuff, you know, if you base this on a quarterback, we could. Aaron Rodgers could get hurt week one, and then you're worried about the backup. So I was just going strictly on what I think these wide receivers could do. The last time Devontae Adams did not play a full season, he played in 11 games, was 2019. He he still obviously was the man, ended up with 997 yards. Nobody else on that team broke 500. I do think Alan Lazard's going to see the lion's share here, but I don't think it's going to be a huge thing. I know Rodgers has pumped him up the past couple years. He's just not Devontae Adams. He's not the route runner Devontae Adams is. He doesn't have the hands. He doesn't even play the same role that Devontae. Devontae Adams, you can move him all over the field. I just think Lazard's more of an outside receiver. Oh, you're really putting him in the slot. On top of that, you've got just a bunch of guys that I personally don't really think have... Maybe Sammy Watkins finally now puts it together after all these years of not being able to do it with Patrick Mahomes, So I think a lot of people would argue is the second best quarterback or third best, because I always forget about Tom Brady, the third best quarterback in the NFL right now behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, however you want to order him. And he couldn't figure it out in a much more pass-friendly offense, which I think is a big thing here as well. The Packers love to run the ball. They're going to have Aaron Jones for at least one more year. I believe they can get out of his contract after this year. A.J. Dillon lined up to be the guy. They're going to run the ball a lot. You know, Christian Watson, I don't want to, like, overplay this too much because we saw that happen with Jamar Chase last year, but all they're talking about is how the dude is struggling with drops right now, and that was a big thing for him coming out of college, though, as well. That wasn't something we talked about with Chase. That was something we talked about with Watson out of the FCS level, not the FBS level, the FCS level, a step down in competition, struggled catching the ball. He's doing it here. You know, I've heard other people say it, and and I agree with them. Like, I actually think the better rookie of buy is Romeo Dubs out of Nevada. I think he plays a better role, better hands, just better fit for that offense. 
I did not think Omari Rogers was that good last year when he came out. I don't think he's going to be that good this year. Like this, the offense, there's nobody there that inspires anything. Like if Devontae Adams was there, I still wouldn't have them in my top eight. And I think Devontae Adams is the number one. Like he's still my wide receiver one in fantasy football rankings above Cooper Cup. That's what I think of Devontae Adams. And they still would not be in my top eight because the rest of this room is just god-awful. And I will give it – I agree with what Dennis is saying about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will find a way to raise every single one of these guys' floors. But I would be surprised if – I would bet money say none of them finish over 1,000 yards. Like, I think we're going to see a – he spreads the ball around everywhere like he always does when Devontae Adams is not there, including Tunyon. When he comes back as well, I think he'll get his fair share uh, of, of receptions as well. But I just don't think any of these guys breaks out. And so for fantasy, like, I just don't want him. I know everybody's buying into Lazard. I just – I don't want any of these guys. I'll take Rodgers because he'll get his. But I don't think there's going to be one wide receiver that really stands out. Yeah, I think for me their best wide receiver is probably still Aaron Jones, who is their running back. Uh, I honestly was – waffling back and forth whether I put Chicago over them because I think Darnell Mooney is better than any single receiver in the Packers group. The Packers group's probably nominally better. Alan Lazard is a guy that I think would be great as a is fine as a number two. They have the over the hill club with Watkins and Cobb and they have the never was club with Watson Rogers, Dubs. I mean, one of those guys could break out. They have Juwan Winfrey, who some people were excited about a couple of years ago when he came out. I this is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Those people they, were only in Denver. Not only in Denver. Uh, I actually wasn't incredibly high on him. I saw other people that were excited that he went to the Packers. I I think this is going to be one of Aaron Rodgers' most challenging seasons, uh, if we're being honest. It's it's an interesting choice. Um, maybe they maybe they even flip their their offensive system. The next team up in the countdown is the Atlanta Falcons. They come in with an average of thirteen. That's because Dennis and I are pretty lockstep. Have them at number fourteen. But Matt, you had them at eleven, so you were a little higher. Uh, I'm guessing you uh, believe in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Let's not forget about Kyle Pitts. But yes, so I So it's supposed to be wide receivers though. Uh, we're, are we really going to do a tight end depth room though? Like if yeah. we if, I, I didn't miss- I actually didn't evaluate any of these groups based uh, on including a tight end. I included that I'm just going to be honest, I included the tight ends on all of them cuz if we're going to do a tight end depth episode, you may you may miss me for those four episodes cuz that's going to be very We might want to add something onto the second half cuz we're going to be done after like 15 minutes. I I put all the tight ends in because I just viewed it as as receiving options for for fantasy. And yes, I do. Drake London was my number two right behind Garrett Wilson coming out this year. I think he has the opportunity to be an alpha. We saw the way that they used, um, goodness, now his name is completely, A.J. Brown in, in Tennessee with Arthur Smith. Everywhere he's been, he's had a very big wide receiver that he loves to target, and now he's got two of them in, in Drake London and Kyle Pitts at the tight end position. Auden Tate, I think, actually is a very sneaky guy in this offense. You know, he never he was decent when he was given the chance there in Cincinnati. I think he's going to be pushed into a full-time role now with Calvin Ridley out. And I also factored Calvin Ridley into this. Like, as of right now, he's not off the Falcons, and he's not likely going to be traded on a year-long suspension. So if you're looking at this depth-wise moving forward, they actually have a pretty good room. If Calvin Ridley comes back, he's the one. 
or Drake London's the one, and Ridley's a two, which I think he would thrive more in as a two-role than the one. Kyle Pitts, Brian Edwards, I still have a smidge of a hope for. Not not much, but there's a there's a tiny little like just bright spot in my heart left for Brian Edwards. So I think they actually have a lot of really good weapons. You know, I, I don't know that Marcus Mariota is going to be able to get it done for them, but with our, what Arthur Smith has been able to do with his offenses in the past and and not having a ton of really big-name wide receivers, uh, they've always seemed to get be productive and have one really good player, and I think that could happen this year. Like, I would not be surprised if Drake London finishes as a high-end wide receiver to this year and then moving forward pushes toward maybe not top 12, but within that top 15 almost every single year. Uh, and so that's why I put them up at, I think, at what I'll try to pull mine up real quick, uh, 11. So, I mean, it's not like I had them – top eight, but I think having a elite wide receiver on your team raises, uh, raises the shit for you. So that's why I put them there. Yeah. I, I did not include the tight ends. I, I did factor in the quarterback situation. Um, and I, I love that Mariota is getting a second chance. Finally, uh, I want to see him come around, but the fact of the matter is he's, he he's a below average passer when it comes to accuracy. He's, he's very athletic. He really needs to take a step and whether he does or not, I'm not sure. But I also know that Arthur Smith can structure the offense around a little bit less of an accurate passer with some of the things he does. If, if the guys are wide open and you, you don't necessarily have to throw the ball quite as accurate as if you're throwing uh, a contested catch ball. Um, you know, with Zacchaeus, Brian Edwards, Auden Tate, and even Demir Bird has flashed a few plays. So they've got some guys that could provide some real depth. I, I still have a substantial number of Brian Edwards shares. At one point, he was my highest rostered player. Um but, you know, he could do something. I did not factor Calvin Ridley into it either because wh- while I don't believe they trade him this year because he is suspended for the year, he's going to be, what, 30 next year when he comes back, gets reinstated? 29, I think. All right. So pretty darn close. No, no 28. He'll be 28. 28. Okay. So he's getting up there. He's and, 27 now. Let's not let's not put these people in the grave yet. Well, he'll, he'll be 28 next year when he plays. No, I know, but he could be 30. Yeah. Well, suspensions do add three years to your life. Yeah, I um, would think it. It uh, yeah, like makes you younger. You don't have to do anything for an entire. You can sit around as long as he doesn't, you know, do what a lot of us do. Sit around two binge. years away from the. You'll be on, on that old Doritos and uh, yeah, binging, binging Stranger Things and diet. and the boys like myself yeah. just. Getting, just start DraftKings yeah. every week. Right. Well, I mean, hey, why not now? You're already suspended for years. Now they're going to tack on another year, right? No, that's exactly what they're going to do. Um, so I I like I, I like the potential that they have. Um, some questions about quarterback is even even if if because if Mariota doesn't run away with the job, you know, Ritter is like a carbon copy of Mariota. And then their third quarterback is Felipe Franks. So their entire quarterback room, if you had to say they're known for one thing, it's not being terribly accurate. So, you know, I, I guess it makes sense to have these big, tall, long-armed wide receivers when you got a quarterback room that's, you know, chucking and ducking it. 
so I didn't factor in tight ends or quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know if that means we should have talked beforehand. I was we probably should have understood the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also did not factor in Calvin Ridley because I was looking at this as just a 2022, and he's. I love the part in his suspension says for at least one year, which you got to give you a moment of pause. But I liked the Drake London pick. I still have some nominal hope for Brian Edwards, and Drake London alone was enough for me to vault them over the the Bears and the Packers. I considered actually vaulting them over the uh, Giants. I just have seen Kenny Galladay do it before, and if we're being honest, uh, Daniel Jones might be a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. Um, But I also thought the Falcons have less depth than – than where the or the less proven depth, I should say, than where the the Giants are. But I do like London. I think he's going to be good. And if you were factoring in Kyle Pitts, I actually might have Atlanta higher, uh, like around where you had him, Matt. So, so when we get to the AFC wide receivers next week, we should definitely set some parameters about how we're gonna. Yeah. So they're not as well. I, I thought so. In my opinion, we're ranking them for fantasy, so you kind of have to include the quarterback, not specifically as a quarterback ranking, but you have to take into consideration the effect the quarterback can have on the wide receiver's productivity. I mean, yes and no. I don't know that it has to be like Jared Goss, not a great quarterback, and he's produced some really good wide receiver ones. Like, I think it's a mixture of everything, right? It's not just a quarterback offensive system, which, I mean, I looked at that. Maybe I don't have that big a fear on Mariota. I mean, Keaton Slovis is not what you would consider a – accurate or really a quarterback who can throw with much power and Drake London, you know, practically won the Bolitnikov award missing six games last year due to a broken ankle. So I, I think that he'll be fine with Marcus Mariota. For the next team in our countdown, I guarantee Matt did not factor in the quarterback when he was doing his rankings because the next team up is the Carolina Panthers. They come in with an average of 11.67. Dennis, you had him at 13. I had him at 12. Matt, you had him at 10. The power of DJ Moore? Yeah, I mean, the, he's produced every single year, and so is Robbie Anderson, who I just got for $2 in an, a best ball auction. He was wide receiver. Well, I'm looking. This is different. I should I should have looked at the other thing first because I was using this league settings. You get, like, bonuses for all this other stuff. But he was wide receiver 19 in that. Like, he actually had a really good season the year prior. We don't know for sure that Sam Darnold is going to be complete crap. He's going to be probably pretty close, but he also started out really good the first three games last year with Christian McCaffrey. Am I wrong? Like He was actually doing good. Panthers were doing good. Matt Corral maybe steps up and has a good season, but DJ Moore has consistently finished as at least a top 24 wide receiver. Just a couple years ago, they had three guys in the top 24, right? And they still have two of those guys in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I don't think Hollywood Higgins is a zero. Maybe that's my Browns homerism coming out a little bit there. But when he actually was played by the Browns, him and Baker had a pretty nice connection. And, I mean, you could say Sam Darnold is just a crappier version of Baker Mayfield. So maybe he's able to get Rashard Higgins the so, ball a little bit. Go ahead. Before you completely go, do you want to take bets on where um, Robbie Anderson finished in standard PPR scoring? Not last year, the year before. Not dumb. That's why. Oh, you're not I, talking about okay. Not last year. Last year was crap for everybody. 2020 was Robbie Anderson's last really big year. Yeah, they were all inside the top 25. Yeah, that's what I think he scored the highest out of all of them. It was him because DJ Moore finished last 
It was him and then um, Curtis, Curtis Samuel. Samuel. And then it was DJ Moore. And I think they could get back to that. I mean, Terrace Marshall's a guy a lot of people believe in. I personally don't, but they've got decent players all around there. You would, If you even add CMC in a little bit of what he can do in the rushing, I, I don't think any of the tight ends are going to do much of anything. As I, I mentioned, I factor that in again. I understand Sam Darnold's not going to be great, but we've seen bad quarterbacks produce some top-end wide receivers. I would not be surprised at all if DJ Moore finishes as a top-15 wide receiver and Robbie Anderson finishes top-24, top-25. And then again, you look at it like, well, like they're going to be behind, right? Like they're going to suck. This is it for, for Matt Rule if he doesn't get it right. Like I don't think this team is going to be – horrible they're not going to be great but they're not going to be inept on offense we've seen flashes i think they're going to be fine for one year and again if maybe matt corral gets in there because sam darnold's so bad and you never know what happens at that point so i'm betting on the talents in the room yeah christian mccaffrey is the aaron Rodgers of the carolina panthers when he plays all boats rise on that tide um i don't have a lot of faith that he's going to play 17 games this year and if he does, I also feel like uh, Dante, Dante Foreman is going to have about 225 carries and uh, Christian's going to have about 140. Now, Christian may get 135 targets, but I'm not including the running backs here. So for me, I, I had him at 13 because I don't have a strong feeling that Darnold is going to step up. Uh, and I don't know about Matt. I, th- I feel like I feel like we're looking at a three and eight team that's firing their coach is kind of how I feel about the situation. And then when you go, you know, I, I'll give you this, Matt. Rashard Higgins is probably the best wide receiver for uh, on any team in the NFL. And that's for whatever reason, he could never crack that wide receiver for ceiling that he had in Cleveland and that's across I think three different head coaching regimes so there's something he flashes but he's just not consistent he in practice uh, when he's on the field I I don't know and then he goes to I I guess I'm not going to say Carolina's less stable than what Cleveland has been over the past you know five years um Marshall has under Matt Rule Marshall has a a lot to prove. DJ Moore, he's a plug-and-play, 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. Um, Go ahead and book it right now. Um, And you love that? Robbie was wide receiver 49 last year. Um, And so uh, there's a reason he was $2 this year. Yeah, DJ Moore is the reason that I have him at 12, and I pulled him up over all the teams that I had them uh, that I had below them. I have questions about Terrace Marshall. I was excited about that pick last year, but I actually, I am more leaning toward Dennis. I think they may end up looking inept. Uh, I think Matt rule is done. Carolina actually, when I was doing my power rankings, I have them 31st. I think I would be surprised if they won more than four games. I think there's bad energy. There's, a lack of cohesion on the roster, and they don't have a great schedule if you looked at some of their matchups. Um, for fantasy purposes, that's not terrible. I think Moore is going to be rock solid. Like you said, he was wide receiver 18 last year, even though they could not have had worse – well, they probably couldn't have had much worse quarterback play. Um, 
so he'll be fine. Anderson didn't click with Sam Darnold when they were in New York, and that seemed to carry over. I'm, you know, Dennis, I know you called Richard Higgins their wide receiver for. He may end up being more valuable to them than that. I just don't know where all the roles are going to be, and I guess I have more questions about that group, so that's where I have them. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking Higgins. I'm taking Higgins over Terrace Marshall if I'm looking at him in the draft. Uh, I'm going to go Higgins just because at least I've seen him flash something, and and I wasn't I wasn't super high on Marshall coming out. So uh, I, I think you're right there. But outside of that, you know, they don't have. You know, I don't know. Is Robbie gonna? Robbie strikes me as somebody who goes. Uh, he he gets a little pouty sometimes and. Uh, if, if it's not clicking, I, I think he could become a detriment on the sideline. Well, I guess we'll we'll have to see. The biggest detriment might might just be the uh, – they also have Ben McAdoo now as their offensive coordinator. That one's super inspired. Yeah. <laughs> Poor DJ Moore. He's the new Allen Robinson. Can we get the man a quarterback, a coach, a scheme? We really see what he could do. Uh, number 11 on the countdown, the Washington Commanders. They came in with an average of 11, so just about perfect. And that's because I put them at 11. Uh, but, Matt, you had them at 13. Dennis, you had them at 9. What do you love about the Commanders? Well, I think that, you know, I still believe in Curtis Samuel. I'm very high on Jahan Dotson. And I think Terry McLaurin, well, maybe he's not a top 12 He's a top 16 wide receiver. He's got great speed. He catches the ball well, uh, even though he does sometimes, you know, he does catch do some body catching, but he typically converts a lot more than most body catchers. But he's a great route runner with great speed. And, you know, Wentz is no Sam Darnold. That's for sure. So he's definitely he, – he, we've seen him produce um, at times uh, – I don't know what's going to happen in, in Washington with Wentz. Could be another train wreck, but it could also be um, a serviceable quarterback situation. And if I'm looking at what those top three, and, and they also have Diami Brown, who uh, is pretty well thought of. So their top four wide receivers um, are a pretty talented bunch. And Wentz is, a, you know, he's a middling to low-end QB2 with some high-end QB2 upside. Yeah, I actually think Wentz could be a, a boost for this offense overall. I just don't believe in the group of weapons they have there. You know, thought Kelvin Harmon may be able to do it. He's kind of been nothing. Antonio Gandy-Golden is now switching to tight end. I love Curtis That's Samuel. A baller move. I agree it is. If it works out, he could be their next Logan Thomas, who's, I think, 30. I thought he's older than I realized he oh, yeah. was. So, like, he he could be really good for them, but that's not an easy transition. I don't know that we see a ton of him being successful this year. I think that's a long – like, I'm willing to bet on him long term. I don't think you get much out of him this year. You know, Curtis Samuel, I, I love Curtis Samuel, but outside of one year in Carolina, he's not been able to put it together – I am not big on Jahan Dotson. I may be one of the few, so that may be why I've knocked him so much here. You know, Diame Brown, he was on the field a ton last year, and outside of the first couple of games was just not getting targeted and did not produce at all. So I don't know what to think of him. 
I love Terry McLaurin. He has not been what I think we as a fantasy community prop him up to be. And I think that's my biggest issue with this room. Dennis, you mentioned he's a top 16 guy. The past three years, he's finished as wide receiver 25, 20, and 29. He's only finished inside the top 24 once. And I understand that that he hasn't had great quarterbacks. And I agree Carson Wentz is probably the best quarterback he's had now in Washington. And he was able to do something good for Michael Pittman last year. But I also think that's because the Indianapolis Indianapolis threw it a lot more than I think we realized they did. I don't know that Washington does that. We did not see that out of Scott Turner in Carolina. You want to say that's because Cam Newton wasn't a great passer? That may be true. Washington is a very confusing team for me because I just don't know what direction they're trying to go. I don't know what they're trying to do. And just this whole room and whole offense is very weird to me because like I could absolutely see Carson Wentz balling out and that's because of the weapons and they end up having a huge year and I could see them completely falling on their faces. I just, I like McLaurin, but I'm going to go back to the same argument I made earlier about guys like Darnell Mooney. I actually think McLaurin is better as a two. I don't think they have an alpha on this roster. I honestly think Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin play almost the same role, which I don't think helps either one of them. So overall, I just think none of these guys are going to be that successful. And if Jahan Dotson starts eating into Terry McLaurin's role, we could see him have another 25 to 30 season, which doesn't help anybody. So I just, I don't think any of these guys score very highly. And outside of those top two, and I'm not even big on Dotson, I don't think they have much behind them. Yeah, and I guess I like the supporting cast a little bit more than you, but not as much as Dennis, which is, you know, makes a perfect sense. I had him at 11. Um, you know, I think I would take DJ Moore over Terry McLaurin as an individual, but I, I liked Washington's complement of receivers more than the rest of the complement of receivers in Carolina. It's hard to know about Dotson. I liked Samuel last year. I was excited about that move last year. He was injured so much. You never really got to see it. I'm curious to see. They also have, you know, a veteran like Adam Humphreys, who we've seen. He's not a flashy guy, but he comes in there and produces when they need him. He produced in Tampa Bay. He produced in Tennessee. You know, he can not produce. currently on the team. Adam Humphreys, he's on the roster. I'm looking at the R-Lad step chart, and they don't show him. Well, he was on the roster that I was looking at. So, um, but we'll have to see. I don't know. I am I do agree with you guys. I don't know what that offense is going to be like. Um, and that is sort of a concern. Uh, the number 10 team on our list, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Matt, you had them at 12. Dennis, you had them at 10. I was the high one at 8. Um, I'm just going to credit that to me not being ready to quit Michael Thomas or my 9,500 shares of Michael Thomas. I also like the Landry signing. I liked drafting Olave. And, I mean, how can a team that has Kevin White as its re- part of its receiving group not crack the top eight? Uh, but, Dennis, I gathered you felt differently. You know, I really struggled with the Saints because I don't know what to expect from Michael Thomas. I want to believe I if Thomas is good to go, I think Thomas Landry and Olave make a fantastic trio that play all all three levels of the field. Um, I think they could be phenomenal. But I don't know what's what's going on with Thomas. I mean, I, I, I've heard of having a, an ankle injury, but I mean, we're on what, like year 19 of his recovery. 
and, and he was a little older coming into the league as it was. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I really struggled. And if Thomas is out, you know, then it's going to fall to uh, Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway, who last year, when given the opportunity, both kind of face-planted. Um, Deontay Hardy is more of a special teamer. Maybe he steps into a, a more of a wide receiver role if given the opportunity. But I, I, I like Lave, Olave and Landry, um, and I really like Michael Thomas, but I just don't know if it's going to be there for him. Yeah, that, that's why I had them so low. Like, I guess I could argue putting them over Atlanta. Um, but for me, Michael Thomas, the fact that he's still not there, still having issues just concerns me. Like, there's been so many issues with him. I don't want to say off the field is like in a bad way, but like, obviously he's, he's had some issues with the coaching staff and I know Sean Payton's gone now. So he got the bag. A lot of that money guaranteed. Like I would not be surprised if we really don't see Michael Thomas play much more moving forward. Like I just, he, he broke a record. He's, he's been a phenomenal wide receiver, but he just doesn't seem like have any real interest of getting back very quickly. And we saw him put off that surgery till almost the start of the season last year. Again, I don't know if it's just him trying to get out of new Orleans. It's just a toxic, toxic situation for him, whatever. I would not be surprised if we don't see him play on top of that. I think he does a lot of what Jarvis Landry does love the Jarvis Landry signing, but I don't know how well that works in that offense. Don't really have much faith in Jameis Winston boosting this offense. And really, for me, outside of Landry and Olave, if you're not counting Thomas, like this room is horrible. Uh, I, there is not one single player you can expect to step in and do anything. Don't know who Kawan Baker or Dejaya Jean Dixon are. You know, I was surprised little Jordan don't, Humphreys. I was going to say, don't you bag on little Jordan Humphreys. I'm surprised little Jordan Humphrey's still in the NFL. You know, Aesop Winston, who the hell is Kirk Mess Merritt? Like, I have no idea who half of these dudes are. I thought I was looking at a USFL roster. You're muted, by the way, Dennis. I Kirk Kirk Merritt actually flashed a little bit. Small school guy. Well, that's John, great. John DeMent wrote him up for Dynasty Nerds a couple Where, years. Look, you, know, you just blew our chance of having the Saints podcast guys on. I thought I was looking at a USFL roster when I first looked at this, and then I found Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, and even both of them. Like, I think Olave is a great fit for the offense. Think you could have a decent year. I wouldn't be surprised if none of these guys finishes wide receiver twos. I think it's all completely based on if Michael Thomas can come back because even if he's not fully healthy, I think defenses will respect him somewhat. And so then I think, okay, you've got a great three, but if he's not there, Olave's not a one, and neither is Jarvis Landry. We saw that in Cleveland. Like, even when they tried to force feed him the ball, he's not a one. And I don't think Olave is either. So for me, I thought about putting him lower, but I just have so much respect for Jarvis Landry as a wide receiver and, and what Olave could do for that offense that I, that I put him there at whatever, 12, where I like, could have ranked him lower, so. You probably thought it was a USFL roster because you saw the names Ian Buck and Taysom Hill. Um, oh well, that added, that added into it too. I was like, <laughs> oh hey, it's the I'm trying to think of. I think they're minor league baseball teams, the Baby Cakes or something like that. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. It was just not a. I'm surprised this is an NFL wide receiver. Michael Thomas, I wish I knew how to quit you. Uh, the last team on our list for today, clocking in at number nine, the Arizona Cardinals. The average for them was eight point six seven. I had them at 10. Matt, you had them at 9. Dennis, you had them at 7. 
what impresses you about the Cardinals? Well, so part of what we have to take into account is volume. And the Cardinals are, Kyler Murray wants to pass the ball. Now, the downside of that is we saw last year when he gets banged up, his passing efficiency can go right to right to hell. And that happened uh, late in the this, this season last year. Now, Hopkins is going to be out for the first six weeks, and he'll be subbed in by uh, the, the corpse of A.J. Green. Maybe Green has something left, maybe not. You know, there, is there hope for Rondale Moore? I got to believe there's some sort of hope. He's slotting in as the slot guy, pun intended. Um, and Marquise Brown, you know, the narrative, are you buying the narrative? He's reunited with his college quarterback. They're going to be slinging bombs left and right. And we know that Brown is a deep threat, and that's been one of the big uh, primary areas of his game. It, a lot of it's going to come down to can uh, Kyler Murray stay healthy. You know, their fourth guy, Antoine Wesley, with, when Nuke was out last year, Wesley flashed a little bit. So to be honest, if Wesley bumped uh, A.J. Green's snaps down and he took some of them, for himself, that wouldn't surprise me. So then, when Nuke gets back, and you've got Nuke and Marquise Brown, um, Rondale Moore, AJ Green, and An Antoine Wesley, that's a decent top five wide receivers on a high volume passing offense, or a, a offense that go is going in intending to be a high passing volume offense. We'll see what happens. I don't know if uh, Connor's going to be able to hold up. Uh, could be uh, a bonus for Keontae Ingram uh, or uh, I forget who the other guy left there is. Uh, Daryl 1L Williams. Yeah. Or Eno Benjamin. Yeah. There will Him be too. no Eno Benjamin slander. Yeah, for me, I just think this is a very good wide receiver room. Um, you know, I'll save the the Marquise Hollywood Brown thing for a minute because the more and more I look at it, the more I actually think he's going to have a really good season for for other reasons. You still have DeAndre Hopkins there, who I know didn't have a great season last year, but he was also beat up. I think he's he's only missing four games, right? Is it four or six? Six, six. six games. So you, he'll still be there for the back half of the second season. Rondell Moore, we'll see what he is. AJ Green, could he step in, uh, step up and do anything there? I'm surprised. Um, oh, that's right. I forgot. He uh, he moved on. You know, I don't think much of Andy Isabella. Maybe they figure out a way to use Rondell Moore. But for Marquise Hollywood Brown, last year, he was – where did it go here? I just had it. Dang it. Uh, 888 unrealized air yards. He was um, – dang it. I just had all this stuff pulled up, and now I can't find it. There we go. His average depth of target was 27 yards, which was eight in the uh, eight in the NFL. But his catch percentage was 57th with like a 5.23. Did you know that Kyler Murray was number one in a deep ball percentage throwing last year with a 50% completion percentage and a what is the word that they use for this? A realized um, whatever, as a 73.4 completion percentage. Kyler Murray can throw the deep ball, and that's exactly what Hollywood does. And I think it's fair to say that Kyler Murray is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. 
if Marquise Hollywood Brown can get open deep like he was able to win uh, with the uh, with the oh my God, sorry, I just saw a Tampa Bay thing and now I'm thinking Tampa Bay with the Baltimore Ravens, if he can get open deep like he was able to with the Baltimore Ravens, I think that Arizona and Kyler Murray can actually hit him deep and make big plays. Like he was on pace to have a really good season last year. Marquise Hollywood Brown is a much better receiver than we give him credit for. I don't care about the connection in college. Like that helps with the chemistry part, sure. But if they use him as this one and a deep threat, and with what Kyler Murray can do throwing the ball down the field, as I just mentioned, he was number one in the NFL with the 50% completion percentage part. And 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 Marquise Hollywood Brown was 52nd because Lamar just couldn't get him the ball accurately down the field. And how many times did we see them miss that? I distinctly remember in that Browns game, what I call Poopgate, he missed Hollywood Brown. He also missed Mark Andrews wide open over the middle when it won them the game even easier, right? Kyler Murray is not going to miss those passes. I think Marquise Hollywood Brown is in for a really big season. And then when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, they have one of the best duos in the NFL altogether, if that is realized. So for me, that's why I put them up. You know, I, they were still bottom half, right? Yeah, they were nine. They just finished at the top of my tier two, if you want to call it that. So I think definitely there's questions behind those two, but having those two there, it's a really great duo. Yeah, you had them dead on where they landed in the countdown. I guess I was a I was a touch lower for a couple of reasons. First, I'll touch on something. Dennis, you mentioned them being kind of a high-volume passing offense. That actually is one of the things that I think is a perception versus reality thing with Arizona. We think of them as the air raid and this high-volume passing. Kyler Murray has yet to crack 4,000 yards in any season as a passer, and I know he missed a couple of games last year, but he played all 16 in 2019 and 2020. In 2020, he had pretty peak DeAndre Hopkins out there and still did not hit 4,000 yards. I think they throw a lot, but they don't throw – a lot downfield, you know, I just don't think the, they're as high a volume passing offense as we think of when we think of that idea of air raid. The other thing for me, DeAndre Hopkins, we know he's going to miss six games. He's already 30 years old. Last year, he did not look the same. Now, maybe that is because he's beat up and he can bounce back, but you start to see some of these receivers hit a certain plateau. He took a lot of beating when he was with Houston because they literally had almost nothing else. He was such a prolific performer. Maybe he's starting to turn toward another another phase. Sometimes that happens quicker than we realize. And beyond that, A.J. Green did not look good uh, when he was asked to step up last year. It's hard to have faith in him. Um, Rondale Moore, it was an interesting draft pick. I thought it would be an interesting fit. They looked like they fundamentally had no idea what to do with him last year. I don't know if that improved. So I like the Marquise Brown move. I'm with you, Matt. I think he could be in for a great season. He was really good last year. Murray probably is more accurate as a passer. I just have more questions about their passing game and their their passing weapon roster, and that's why I had them slightly lower at 10. Well, you're right in that they were 18th in pass attempts, but they were 10th in passing yards. So that kind of works with the high volume I'm speaking of. You know, they're they're pat, passing it down the field more. Um, you know, Matt pointed out how Kyler Murray is a, a great deep ball passer. Uh, so to me, that's sort of what I mean. It isn't necessarily they're not going to throw 730 passes like Tom Brady did, but 
they threw 591 passes last year, and Murray missed what three games last year? Uh, was it? I think so. It was at least two. So three. I, I'd have to look, but I don't know if they if they passed less in the games that Murray was out. Um, uh, looks like it was about the same. I mean, he ended up with just over 3,700 yards. They had just over 4,200 yards as a team. Well, I mean, I think to, to Dennis's point is while Murray may not have a ton of pass attempts, it's, it's the weapons they have. And then they just added one of the most versatile weapons down the field in Marquise Hollywood Brown. So like, I think that's what he may not have a ton of attempts, but I could see that boosting up. I mean, I do have a little bit of concern because, again, he's never passed for more than 4,000 yards. That's a little concerning. Maybe he's never even hit 4,000 yards. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's never passed yeah. for 4,000. Yeah, like so that part is a little bit concerning, but he's also only had DeAndre Hopkins. You know, for whatever reason, Christian Kirk didn't work out there. As you mentioned, I had high hopes for Rondell Moore. Unless you're Doug Peterson, then obviously you saw yeah. enough. Yeah, like I, I you know – I, I loved Ron Moore going there. I thought he was going to be the perfect fit. They couldn't figure out a way to use him. Now having Hollywood Brown, and then, of course, DeAndre Hopkins suspended six games. So this is the first time I think Murray, and they've got Zach Ertz, who I didn't even mention because I actually factor, I factor the tight ends. Like, he's got the best receiving group altogether around him and he's had in his career. Like, I think this could be a career year for Murray if he can stay healthy, um, especially once Hopkins comes back in that second half of the season. Well, I mean, he does have his awesome coach, Mr. September himself. September and October, he's your man. Come November, I'll pray for you. So I'm a proponent right now. I, I know that Nuke is he's, he's entering the twilight of his career, so I don't expect him to be uh, the dominant receiver that he was. But I think uh, Brown is going to have a fantastic first six weeks. And then when Nuke comes back, He's going to get a larger share of targets. So I think after week five, you know, sell, in, sell uh, not Antonio Brown, sell Marquise Brown. Sell Antonio Brown if you can. I mean, if you find a buyer, all Browns. Yeah. Well, do you guys have anything else to add for the first eight teams here in the NFC? Well, we will be back on Monday with a look at our top eight. And I can already tell looking at the first two teams we're going to look at, there are going to be some fun uh, back and forth debates about those. So hope you will join us for that. Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! For an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play?